Welcome to Is It Halloween Yet? Episode 12, a spooky little podcast where we talk about all things horror and ask, Is it Halloween yet? I'm afraid not, ghouls, ghosts, and goblins. It's 79 days until Halloween. I'm your ghost dispenser. Let's see what we have on the slab this week. We've got some news and then a deep dive on a franchise near and dear to my heart, Friday the 13th. First up, We've got to discuss some horrifying home movie releases and an update on one we've already discussed. (coughs) Video Nasty Era Slow Burn Sensor is headed to DVD and digital on September 14th. Next, a movie that is responsible for at least half of my childhood nightmares, Phantasm, has a lot of home movie release news. You could buy all five movies in the series on Blu-ray from Go USA in the Phantasm Sphere collection. You can also get a double feature of Phantasm Remastered and a director's cut of Phantasm 2. The special features include Adobe Atmos sound mix, several new audio commentaries, deleted scenes, deleted tracks, and more. Scream Factory brings the often forgotten Wes Craven flick Deadly Friend to a collector's edition Blu-ray. The company announced that extras will be announced later and also had a bit of sad news to go along with it. We anticipate being asked if we found any alternate footage from the film, they said, as seen in the original theatrical trailer, or... Craven's more mild original feature-length cut. Unfortunately, we could not locate any of the lost footage after investigating. Sorry, we tried. As fans of the film ourselves, we wanted to see that too. It's a bummer to hear we won't be seeing anything extra, but I'm excited to watch Deadly Friend. This next release is a movie I vividly remember my older brother seeing, but I have yet to see it. The 1986 holiday-slash-sorority house-slasher Killer Party is headed to Blu-ray for the first time on October 26th. Scream Factory has yet to announce what extras will be available, but I will let you know as soon as I know. Three from Hell gets a 4K Blu-ray release on September 28th. This film, while being the end of the Firefly Family Trilogy, is also notable as beloved horror icon Sid Haig's last on-screen appearance. And lastly, we've got some news about the 25th anniversary Scream Blu-ray headed our way on October 19th. Production features and a new feature, A Bloody Legacy, Scream, 25 years later, will look at the legacy of the film and of director Wes Craven. I am so ready for this steelbook to hit my collection. As October draws closer, the horror merch begins to flow. Let's look at some of the new toys and merchandise releases that are headed our way. Department 56 has a whole host of spooky homes headed your way this Halloween, starting with Elvira's Haunted House. Also available is the Mistress of Dark walking her beloved gonk. 1313 Mockingbird Lane and all of the monsters are on their way, as well as the Adams Family House. If you, like the ghostess, missed out on the combo pack of the Blu-ray and figure of My Bloody Valentine, don't worry, that miner can pickaxe his way into your heart. The figure will be released by... NECA on his own, and he will come with an adorable heart in a heart-shaped box prop. Monster High is something I've come to late, but this latest release has really piqued my interest. Both Beetlejuice and Lydia are coming to the Monster High Collectors line, and they launch today, Friday the 13th. The official mask for Halloween Kills is out now from the fabulous Trick or Treat Studios. I'm also quite obsessed with their witch skull and pumpkin masks from Halloween 3. And 
And if you, like me, love 70s fashion and Black Christmas, rejoice. You can finally own the sweater worn by Olivia Hussey in Black Christmas. The black sweater with white hands on it is available for pre-order now from Poltergeist and Paramours. From toys and merch to other diversions, let's talk about some video games. Last episode, we talked about the Dead Space remake being announced. This episode, we have more news about it. The remake is being built from the ground up with the guidance of former Visceral Games Studios staff, including development documents and game notes. There also will be some streamlining of parts that they say didn't work to stay relevant to modern audiences. They don't, however, elaborate on what will be trimmed or give us an official launch date. Evil Dead, however, the game is giving us a launch month. We found out that they're planning a single player mode of the game and it's all gonna be a groovy time come February 2022. Japanese horror game Last Light will be headed to PC, Switch, and Stadia on August 26th. Last Light revolves around a scare party at an abandoned hospital gone wrong. The protagonist, Lumi, is left to find out what happened to her other classmates. Spectal Band Edition is coming to itch.io or itch.io. The game is the director's cut of the TV watching simulator that has a whole new fourth ending that had to be cut from the Steam release. It also has quality of life improvements. You can check that out for yourself next week on August 18th. In our last little bit of video game news, we got more news on Fatal Frame. Producer Kisuki Kachiki let us know that the fate of the series depends on the sales of the upcoming re-release of Fatal Frame Maiden of Blackwater. You know I'll be buying this day one and you can see me play through it on my Twitch channel during Friday Night Frights. Link in the bio. We've got a quick bit of Halloween Horror Nights news. Halloween Horror Nights Orlando will be getting a very special treat this season. Icons captured, an all-new original haunted house that will take people through the hell of fame and 30 years of the most iconic Halloween Horror Nights icons. If you're in the Orlando area, I feel a pang of jealousy. Can't wait to see you all post your videos on YouTube. Shudder is out there spending its well-earned money on the film Hellbender from the same family that brought you The Deeper You Dig. The film follows a lonely teenage girl who questions the reason why she is isolated from the world on a mountaintop, and the follow that follows her exploring the world and the secrets that her family has kept from her about their bloodline. Slee mentioned Hellbender, A24's Lamb, and Palm d'Or Winter Titine are all headed to Fantastic Fest. The first wave of films was announced. Also was announced, the festival's opening party will be themed around the iconic visuals from the film Titan. The party will start September 23rd through the 30th in Austin, Texas. Blackula is back. MGM announced that Dion Taylor would be directing a new take on the 1972 Blackula. Not only that, it's been announced that Rodney Barnes and Jason Sean Alexander are working on a graphic novel that'll be headed our way later next year. Halloween Kills is coming, slashing its way into theaters in October, but just four days after the film's release, the movie novelization will leave a trail of victims on its way to your local bookstore. A24 is experimenting with a home release for The Green Knight. 
On August 18th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, there will be a digital screening on Apple TV and Roku for one night only. Tickets can be purchased now through the A24 website for $19. You will have four hours to watch the film and any bonus content. This is very exciting. And if this is how studios have to justify paying for their budgets and make films making money, I hope we see more films go to this format. I just really want to see films at home as long as the Delta variant is around. And I don't think that's unreasonable. 90s horror never dies. I Know What You Did Last Summer, the series, is headed to Amazon Streaming on October 15th. We got a trailer for Mike Flanagan's next Netflix project, Midnight Mass. The project, Flanagan says, is one of his favorites so far, and the ideas at the root of the show scare me to my core. If Mike's scared... I'm terrified. Midnight Mass tells the story of a small island community that is isolated from the world and the friction between a disgraced returning community member and the charismatic priest who binds the community together through a series of miracles that leads to religious zealotry. Midnight Mass starts streaming on September 24th. How could I let today go by without talking about 13 Fanboy, the fan film that follows a deranged Friday the 13th fan who stalks the women from the franchise. The film stars Dee Wallace, Kane Hodder, Adrian King, to name a few. The film will be out in theaters, drive-ins, and on VOD just in time for Halloween, October 22nd. That was the news this week. Today is Friday the 13th, and I couldn't let this day go by without having a chance to chat about the franchise near and dear to my heart. As I get older, Jason has taken a back seat to my love of Ghostface and Michael, but when I was a teenager, there was nothing like spending a night at my friend Vanessa's house, watching horror movies, especially Friday the 13th, and eating pizza, scared of the darkened black sliding glass door that loomed in her living room. While Michael has gone on to have a full horror revival via the David Gordon Green trilogy, Friday the 13th has been stuck spinning its wheels in a legal sinkhole as the horror movie genre moves on. The 40th anniversary of this property came and went with no news of reboots or sequels. We just now got an eight-disc Blu-ray remaster, but even that is sparse on new content. And that's really what I wanted to talk about today. We're going to talk about my favorite moments from the franchise, but the lawsuit is this all-consuming, ever-confusing cloud that hangs over the series. I want to start off with a special thanks to Lindsay Travers at CertifiedForgotten.com. She has an excellent breakdown on the Friday the 13th lawsuit that she's kept pretty much up to date. We have some other news that happened that we'll get into, but we really need to start at the beginning. What happened? Friday the 13th was made in 1980. Paramount Pictures was the original was the original distributor of the film. They did a great job marketing that film. That film would not be the movie we would we think of it without Paramount. As movie properties often do, it got passed down to New Line Cinema. New Line Cinema has it. The rights are technically in the hands of Sean S. Cunningham and Horror Inc. Well, the rights are technically up in the air right now. However, in 1976, there was a copyright law passed that said 35 years after the copyright is sold, the person who created the work has the option to terminate the sale and have the copyright reverted back to them. In 2016, Miller decided that he wanted to use the 76 law to terminate the copyright on Friday the 13th. Uh, he was unable to get Sean Cunningham to agree with him, so 
Sean Cunningham filed a lawsuit that said Victor Miller was an employee at the time that meant that he didn't have a claim to the copyright. He wasn't an independent contractor. He was an employee of Horror Inc. He wrote it. He didn't write. He wasn't a guy who wrote it on spec. I think that this case really highlights why the 76 law was brought into view. Victor Miller sold the script for Friday the 13th for $9,000. And considering that has gone on to be one of the top three horror movie franchises, you could understand why he would want more money from that creation. And that's what Congress's intent were. They wanted to protect creators from this situation where they would sell their work and then derivative works that were owned by the IP thing or even like other things would increase the value of the IP that they made. They wanted them to be able to like have another chance to bargain for for fair that work value, right? Because it's really like, it's it's like a tale as old as Hollywood of people selling things really cheap because Hollywood's a, a tough business and then producers and studio executives and everyone who had nothing to do with the creation of these things making all the money from them. So copyright law was intended to give authors and screenwriters and something a chance to get a second bite at the apple after a real determination of the value of, of their work. Cunningham makes this statement. He says they didn't have the copyright it. He doesn't have the copyright. He wouldn't be allowed to trigger the reversion clause. The trial happens and a judge decides that Victor Miller does own the copyright to Friday the 13th. The court made a summary judgment and that says the facts aren't in dispute. Like, he wasn't an employee, he was a contractor, and he owns the copyright. So this is where it gets like weird and you have to talk about the legal, like what is the legal definition of what happens during a legal appeal, right? So during appeals, you don't get a chance to say, you're not appealing that the facts in this case are wrong. You are appealing that the, the law was misapplied. So that's what happens. They're saying that they say that because he was part of the WGA, that they're not weighing that in enough to say that he was an employee or a contractor. So all of this appeal stuff was heard in the Second Circuit Court of Appeals on February 13th, fitting, 2020. The problem is the coronavirus happened, a judge has died. You listen to the audio arguments of it, which you can find. There's a link on it on certifiedforgotten.com. You can tell that I think the circuit court judge is trying to go more towards Miller. We thought there was going to be a decision in June. Then one of the judges dies at the end of 2020. That means that either if there was a split thing, if it was he was the deciding judge, because there's only it's only being seen before a panel of three judges. If he was the deciding vote, the two, three, two, one, then if it's a 1-1 tie, they have to ha retry it or it will get sent to a different court. The other thing that could be happening is that the judge who died is the one who is writing the opinion, which means that one of the other judges would then have to add that opinion to their caseload. Coronavirus has made legal things like a total nightmare. So that is why we are hearing 
nothing coming out of this. So last week, there was rumors running around that all the legal people involved with this have basically debunked at this point from Corey Feldman, who was saying, hey, I hear the lawsuit's going to be over. I hear they're going to come to a settlement. I wish Cunningham and Miller would come to a settlement because at this point, the only people they are hurting are themselves and the fans. Scream's getting a reboot, basically, a revival and a reboot a sequel reboot, whatever Scream 5 is. It's not Scream 5, it's just Scream. Scream's getting a reboot. Halloween is in the middle of this renaissance, right? With with the 2018 film, this year's Halloween Kills looks great. We're gonna get Halloween end next year. Michael Myers is in the middle of this like glorious renaissance and revival. They tried with Freddy. I bet we're gonna get another bite at that apple soon. I would argue that Freddy, because he's charismatic, and so quippable and quotable has a more solid, a more solid place in the pantheon of horror icons. And like, yes, hockey masks are forever ruined by Jason Voorhees, but that's for like, that's because this generation of kids grew up on it. We're now about to hit the point where two whole generations of teenagers won't have seen a new Friday the 13th movie. And how long is it before Friday the 13th just becomes this forgotten thing? 12 movies or not, no matter how much old horror fans like myself love it. I'm very scared that as things get revived and other things, I mean, we're looking, we just talked about it in the news. I Know What You Did Last Summer is getting a television series. Like all of these 90s horror movies are getting rebooted. And this is like, right now is the like apex point for the media is like doing this 80s revival and all kinds of things and stranger things and look at the second fear street movie is basically a friday the 13th movie the moment could never be more perfect for jason to come back into the modern horror landscape and the bickering about money from two men you can't like you guys can't figure out how to like ma- like this is a money issue at the end of the day you can't figure out what that means like not only are you not only do you look petty and not only are you turning your fan base against you victor miller deserves more money for creating jason Voorhees. he didn't create jason in the way that we know but without mrs Voorhees and without that first backstory and without any of that Jason Voorhees doesn't exist, right? So give him his due for creating this character. I think I get so upset about it because I love Friday the 13th. I do. Like, even I just watched the old movie and the first one, and it's bad. Like, I know I'm probably going to get some shit for saying that, but it's bad. It's not great. Um, There's a kill count out today from Dead Meat on YouTube. You should watch it. He does a great job of breaking down like what is so bananas and weird about that movie. But it just, it's frustrating. We can't have nice things as like Halloween fans are getting or Exorcist fans are getting. Like The Exorcist is going to be huge. Those movies, that trilogy is going to be huge. A Friday the 13th, the game had just fixed itself when this happened, right? Like it had just gotten to the point where it was like really good and the servers were solid and they were like pumping out new stuff. And like they also like called it like shout out to gun media because they called out that Among Us was going to be a thing that was popular and they were going to do an Among Us kind of like who's Jason, who's the actual killer, right? Like all of this creative energy that is around the franchise is just being wasted at the time that it would have the most impact. So it drives me crazy that we're just like doing this. He can't be in Dead by Daylight. 
Dead by Daylight has a lot of the horror icons. We've got Leatherface. We've got Ghostface. We've got the pig from Saw. We've got Michael, Freddy. Pinhead is coming. Um, we've got Nemesis. We've got... I mean, we've got, like, it's like the who's who of horror icons. And Jason can't be in it because of this lawsuit. Even though the developers really want him, he's really high rated from, like, the player base. Everybody wants Jason. He's a perfect fit. You literally stalk people around the cabin. You stalk people around the woods. It's an asymmetrical game, kind of like Friday the 13th. Oh, Ash is in... I mean, Evil Dead is also getting a remake. Like, all of these movies that happened in and around this time are getting these lovingly cared for remakes by people who grew up loving those franchises. And it sucks that we're not going to get that treatment for Friday the 13th. So to not be a total downer about uh, Friday the 13th, uh, I wanted to talk about uh, a couple of my favorite kills. They're nothing that is... They're nothing that's not everyone's favorite kills uh the kills are what makes this movie i think that i think a lot of i think a lot of the success of this movie gets placed on cunningham and miller who both mediocrely wrote and directed this film like the film itself is not very technically well made uh the edit is weird the lingering on shots is weird the the pace of the story is strange of the original i'm talking about and I think that Lost in That Shuffle is, without Tom Savini's effects, without Tom Savini's effects, this movie is, this movie is just like another movie like April Fool's Day or any of those holiday calendar-based slasher movies. Savini really understood what was going to make that Jason at the end scary, that water Jason scary, and he understood that showing the gore and showing the blood and showing the destruction of the killer could really differentiate a movie that was basically Halloween but not as well executed from Halloween. Um, I think everybody's favorite kill from that first one is the Kevin Bacon kill. Not only is it Kevin Bacon, his face is so expressive and the blood that like gurgles pushes up forward, which was like a happy accident that the pump broke and the guy underneath had to like blow through and like it forced up a bubble and spewed that blood everywhere. Like that scene is just like when people think of horror movies, I think they think of that kind of slasher movie specifically. I think they think of that kind of death. I also like the one in the remake where the girl is hung over the fire in the sleeping bag. I think that it's good. It's a really great callback to the other sleeping bag kill where he picks her up and knocks her into that tree. I think everyone... Well, everyone loves to, from everyone's love to hate movie, Jason X. I love Jason X. The part where he takes the girl from Grey's Anatomy, freezes her head, and then smashes it. I don't care that it's CGI. It's like the one CGI effect death in horror that I just love. There's one in Freddy vs. Jason. Is that the bed? It is. Freddy vs. Jason, where he folds the guy up in the bed. Um, I just love that. I love Jason Goes to Hell, which I think is a, a probably not as loved movie in that just because it's a ridiculous concept and a ridiculous premise, but I love it 
uh, I have like Jason Goes to Hell is the movie I remember watching with my friend the most. Like we just loved that movie. And then we watched Scream and it was just like I came of age at a time to watch horror movies where all of the late 80s, all of the 80s movies were available to me and were just a little bit older than I got to like live during that second revival of slashers in the 90s. And so it just makes me sad that today it's Friday the 13th and there's no Friday like it's Friday the 13th and this drug this lawsuit has drug on long enough that the thing most people are excited about this Friday the 13th is that Pinhead is coming to Dead by Daylight. We think, allegedly, it's Pithead. I don't know. I hope these two could figure it out. I think dragging this out through appeal and appeal and appeal and appeal. Be bigger people. Understood. Jason Voorhees is a story of collaboration. It is a story that tells how movies get made in, like, the long, right? Like, you look at Jason. Jason isn't even the killer in the first one. He's just a kid that is maybe a dream at the, you know what I'm saying? That's Jason, right? Like Victor Miller has said his Jason Voorhees is dead at the end of the first one. Then you have Jason in the second one, which doesn't have the hockey mask, just has a bag over his head. He's he's the killer and he's getting revenge and we're laying the groundwork for the third one where he finally gets the hockey mask and he finally does this. And like, then that icon is done. But it took three movies and all of those people and all of the people people who had touched it, right? Like all of the production people, all of the set design people, all of the costumers, all of the screenwriters, all of the directors of those three films, all touching it and understanding what Jason is to them and mixing it together to give us the icon that we all know and love of the man with the machete and the hockey mask. Just own, like, just please own up to the fact that like Jason is a testament to how collaboration in film and in creative projects can make something better than the sum of its parts. And that means compensating people correctly. I just hope that they can come to a conclusion of this because the only people who are suffering are the fans and the property itself. I don't think, I don't think if you wait until the people who loved Jason as a child are dead, <laughs> or almost dead, or less relevant to popular culture opinion. I don't think if you wait until they are out of that sphere of influence to remake Friday the 13th that kids will get into it. I just don't. So happy Friday the 13th, everybody. Our next Friday the 13th is in, I think it's in January of next year, or maybe February of next year. So that's going to do it for this very special episode this week. I am the ghostess. You can find me as Miss MissNintendeek64 all over the internet tonight at 6.30 p.m. and every Friday during spooky season at 6.30 p.m. on twitch.tv slash MissNintendeek. I will be doing a thing called Friday Night Frights where we play horror games. It's my horror game show. I have fun new alerts that have horror icon catchphrases, so hopefully we don't get DMCA'd. I have new alerts and overlays and a bunch of scary, spooky games we're going to play. Today, we're going to start out pretty simple, pretty easy. We're gonna play some Dead by Daylight. We're gonna play the Back for Blood beta, which just came out and is excellent. That leaves us to the part that you all know, or you should know, sleep. Or don't.